Jordan and Geordie do shit. Oh, oh man. <laughs> Hello. 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 Welcome to episode two of season two, two of Jordan and Geordie do shit. So, Geordie, what's happening on today's episode? Um, today's podcast is an Australian true crime podcast. <laughs> Um, I have done some research on this murder mystery, and it is unsolved. So while Julie tells me that, what we're going to be doing is I'm going to be cleaning my bedroom. Yay! Yay! So good. I'm such a good child. I've recently moved back home, so I've still got a lot of, like, bits and pieces from my old house just hanging around that I haven't done anything with. So I'm going to be cleaning. Excuse me, sir. That is a very loud car. That's a motorbike. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get started. Let's do it. <clears throat> the Gatton murders. The Gatton murders? Mm-hmm. Gatton. Like, yep. right near us. Yeah. Okay. All right. So the Gatton murders, uh-huh. also known as the Gatton mystery and the Murphy murders. Like Murphy's Creek? That's what I'm thinking. Uh-huh. On December 26th, the day after Christmas, 1898, mm. the murder, triple homicide of three siblings occurred three kilometres from the town of Gatton, Queensland. No way. Mm-hmm. Three siblings? Yeah. Gatton at the time had a population of 500 to 600, so it was a fairly small town. I just added that in because I thought, you know, you'd think they'd be able to fucking solve it. Yeah. <laughs> Especially <laughs> being Gatton. <laughs> The Murphy family consisted of the parents and their ten children, three of which were Michael Murphy, aged 29, his younger sisters, Nora, aged 27, and Teresa, also known as Ellen, aged 19, or 18. It, different stuff said Hold on. Things. Why is her name Teresa, known as Ellen? Also, well, she had two names. It said on this thing, Teresa, also known as Ellen, and it also, like, some website had Teresa, some website had Ellen. Why? I don't know. I think, like, maybe her name was Teresa Ellen, like, like her middle oh, name. Oh, right. Okay. That's... I was gonna say Ellen is not short for Teresa. Yeah, right. Like, as a rule, that's Teresa. Ellen. <laughs> yeah, but they call me Ellen. <laughs> Generous. Yeah. And you get a car away. Continue. The three siblings, Michael, Nora, and Teresa, or Ellen, um, <laughs> had spent a day at the races at Mount Sylvia. The Murphy siblings travelled to Gatton from Blackfellows Creek. Oh, I know that. Yeah. At around 9.10pm, they arrived at the dance hall in Gatton, I think, to find that it was cancelled. The three turned oh, for home, but never made it home. Uh, the next morning, after discovering that the three never returned, Mrs. Murphy sent out the siblings' brother-in-law, William McNeil, to go out and look for them. William McNeil owned the cart that the siblings travelled in, so yeah. he knew it had a wobbly wheel, right. which left behind a distinctive trail. Ooh. William spotted the tracks along Tent Hill Road. The tracks led off the road and along a slip rail into a wooded pasture. Okay, sorry, really quickly. Why does my pocket have an extra... Like, why is there one there and not one there? Look at that scene. Um, Siri, fuck off. (laughs) Dude. Because I said Siri, like, seem. Oh, yeah, that's weird. But I have to say, hey, Siri, for it to turn on. Hey, Siri, eat my ass. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Okay. Rude. Um, he found the bodies of Michael, Ellen, and Nora. Michael and Teresa's body were found laying back to back just a few feet apart, and the body of Nora was nearby on a bloody rug. <gasps> Nora and Ellen had both had their hands tied with handkerchiefs. Marks suggested Michael's hands had been tied too at some point. Uh, they weren't upon discovery, and it has been disputed whether this was the case at all. The girls' clothing was torn, they had been raped. Um, <gasps> 
Michael and Ellen's skulls were crushed. Oh, it was, oh my god! Yeah, it was later found that Michael had been shot in the head. Uh, nearby was the horse, also shot in the head. Oh my god! Yeah, this Wait, is like that is like insane. So unnecessary. Literally. Look, this is gonna sound very nasty of me, but kill the people. What did the horse do? I know. <laughs> I'm like, stop killing the horses! I think what might have happened, like, oh, actually, like, maybe the bullet went through, but, like, uh... Well, but it's also that thing of, like, horses, like, usually, like, sometimes return to their paddocks. Maybe. Or, like, the horses might, the loose horse might have, like, alerted someone. But, like, the thing is, also, like, it's just unnecessary. Yeah, just don't. The thing just is, just leave don't. it. Just leave the but, horse. Anyway, uh, Michael, according to McNeil, also had a purse in one of his hands. Other witnesses who later arrived on the scene stated that the purse was lying near the body, but not in Michael's hand. So that's just like an example of like people don't really have any clue what kind of happened. Yeah, yeah. Which I'll go into later. Yeah. So this is about like the siblings. Uh, yeah. Michael Murphy was a quiet, good-natured man of about five feet and ten inches tall and powerfully built, an yeah. expert bushman and sergeant in the local corps of mounted rifles of which he was one of the most capable members. He was home for his holidays from the Westbrook <coughs> Experimental Farm. Michael's body was found with a skull battered in, lying on its front but with the head turned aside. In the right hand was an empty purse. 15 shillings Michael was known to have had the night he went out was missing from the purse. Ah, oh, so great. Yeah. Their hands were folded behind the back and wrists abraded. Evidently, they had been tied there, tied there and the binding removed after death. Which is like, why is that necessary? I don't yeah. know. It's a bit weird. Uh, probably... Unless it, like, linked them, linked the person. Maybe. See, that's yeah. what I was thinking. If they were all tied up with handkerchiefs, whoever did it was either prepared or... Just used whatever had. Used what they them. had. Which, which might have been their embroidered special handkerchief. Yeah, that'd be... Like, that's a bit like that. fucked. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yuck. Probably the breaching strap from the harness as it was lying between his body and that of his sister. So maybe he was he was probably controlling the horse. Like, it could have been that as right. well. And, like, fallen and it's, like, touched oh, his wrist. Oh, okay. Alright, that makes sense. Kind of. It was stated at the inquest that Michael was killed by a blow to the head which had crushed his skull. But subsequent exhumation and further post-mortem showed he had been first shot dead. The bullet having oh. entered behind the right ear. The original image and words described it were first published in the Queenslander. I did find a um, actual article, yeah. but it was written a few years after. Yeah. Which I got some information from that you'll see, and it's just yes. weird that well, when we get into theories, some of the people's theories, I was like, it's definitely this person, but at the time, and a few years just after in this article, they suspect someone else. Oh. And it's like interesting how also, weird. Do they, it so do they openly suspect people in these like? Well, they just talked about it being a bit weird. Um, okay, so Nora Murphy must have made a terrible fight for her honor. From head to feet, she was a mass of bruises and abrasions, and her clothing was torn to shreds. Around her neck, the hame strap from the horse's harness had been drawn tightly to still her screams tied enough to it in itself cause death. Her hands were tied behind with her own handkerchief. There we go. Oh, that's Which had been first knotted around one wrist and then the other. In her struggles, the skin and flesh was torn from her wrists. Both of the Murphy girls were described as having been bright and capable girls, strong and well set up, fine looking, and held in much esteem. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. Now, Ellen Murphy. Um, the younger of the two Murphy sisters was described as... Ha- having been an exceptionally bright and happy country girl. She had attended three schools and distinguished herself at all, with her teachers described Ellen 
as having been the most popular and exemplary girl under their charge. Her hands had been bound tightly behind her back during this crime and she was terribly bruised and her clothing torn in resisting the ravishers and murderers who had finally killed her by a blow on the head which crushed in the skull. The original image and words were published in the Queenslander, which is kind of weird to publish, but, yeah. like, I read, I don't know if I go on, if I say it again, but, um, like, they said that they saw her brains. Oh, Like, really? it's, like, it was brutal. Oh, God. I hate There's people. a lot of stuff that I didn't get go into too much detail, because I didn't know how, like, if, like, ugh, to go. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, like, insane. Um, horrified at his discovery, William McNeil rushed off to Gatton to get help. In a strange decision, McNeil first visited a hotel. Here he notified guests of the terrible scene he had just uncovered before making his way to the police station. It was around 9.15am when William McNeil informed acting Sergeant William Arrell about the murders of Michael, Nora and Ellen Murphy. The duo made their way to the crime scene. Once at the scene of the Gatton murders, Sergeant Arrell surveyed the area for half an hour. He decided this was a case that would be better handled by the Brisbane Police HQ. Right. Whether due to their ineptitude or inexperience, Sergeant Arrell at no point made any notes during his visit to the crime scene. He made You're no- joking. Mm. It's literally, yeah, it's so bad. He made no efforts to interview any of the people now at the scene. Errol uh, also didn't make any attempt to secure the site and protect any potential evidence. You're kidding! That's why they don't know. Because... And they didn't care oh, enough. Gee whiz... William's prior visit to the hotel also did nothing to help the investigation. Once word had spread of the discovery, a rush of curious and inquisitive people made their way to the murder site. Potential evidence at the site of the Gatton murders was destroyed or contaminated by the growing number of curious onlookers. Wow. Idiot. That's some useless police work. Yeah. And, like, I guess it's, like, tough for him because he was probably freaking out being like, someone help me. Like. Yeah, yeah, totally. As you would. As you would. But. People are. Also, stupid. that's dumb. And, like, even, like, stuff like that happens today because people are always just so curious and always, like, yeah. looking out. Like, yeah. if you see a car crash on the side of the road and there's ambulance by brigade, like, people are always looking. I yeah. know I do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, like, that weird curious thing. Yeah. I read somewhere that it's about, like... Survival like, of the fittest. <laughs> One down, boys! One down, more to go! Let's do it! No, it's, like, um something to do with, like... It's not, like, curious in the bad stuff. It's, like... Oh, like it is, but it's for your own like understanding and mm. like so how you can not be that or not do that. If that makes sense, it's like no, a learning I, yeah. thing. It's like you, yeah, it's you, probably just like a weird instinct. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. So you see the things that are gross or bad or horrible, and you um, know not to do that. And then yeah, you learn what they did, so you know how to not do it. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. Which is why people are so interested in true crime stories. Yes. Oh, wink, wink. Oh, wink, wink. Okay, anyway. Uh, Due to the communication breakdowns and reliance of telegrams to relay information, Brisbane police did not learn of the crime until two days later. Wow! Keep going. (laughs) (laughs) The crime scene was not immediately secured and many people passed through, possibly obliterating valuable clues. Wow! I hate people. Yeah. So much. Yeah. In so many Me ways. too. Wait, the public is just... The, the, the general public. public. Shocking. Bad. Bad. Terrible. <laughs> Bad Hate vibes. them all. Bad vibes. Vibe check. Hate it. <laughs> um, at the time, there was only one police photographer who was responsible for covering crimes throughout the state. The state. The state. Whole Queensland. It would take, by horse and cart, like, 
days to get from Brisbane to like Townsville. Because oh, it's man. like a four to five hour flight. Yeah, it's like two day drive. Jesus. Um, so bodies were moved before photos could be taken. The press criticized the police for bung- bungling. Bungling bungling the investigation. While Inspector Urquhart criticised the press for its silly and unreliable reporting. Yet he's, you know, he didn't really do much. Is that that one of the policemen? Yes. Yeah. Um, Over the course of the investigation, the police interviewed more than 1,000 people. Jeez. How can you interview that many people? Well, how can you interview that many people and still manage to fuck up a crime scene? (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay, among the main suspects were Richard Burgess, a recently discharged prisoner and Bush Vagabond who had an alibi, and Thomas Day, a stranger to Gatton who was working for A.G. Clark, the local butcher, at the time of the murders. Police found blood on his clothing, but in, ni- in 1898 there was no way to test if the blood was from an animal, Ooh. as Day claimed, or from a human. In any case, Clark warned Day against washing a particular jumper after the murders, but a day or two later, Day proceeded to wash and boil the jumper twice and scrub it with a scrubbing brush. No further action was taken against Day, and a few weeks later, he left the district. Well, that's a bit dodgy. That's a little bit sussy, boy. It's a bit suspicious. Although, I will say, very classic old police to be like, you know who it is? The ex-con or the guy the we butcher. don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like they're literally. Like, they're like, all you people who I've known my entire life, I'm sure you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm sure you're fine. I'm sure you've never done anything bad in your life, ever. <laughs> okay, now That's we're getting into the theories. The theories. Bom, bom, bom. We have to put like a... A noise there, like a shoo. Yeah, shoo. This is a this is a theory. <laughs> Richard Burgess, one suspect at the time of the Gatton murders, was Richard Burgess. Burgess was a bush drifter who had been released from prison shortly before the murder. He had served time for assaulting a woman the previous year. Always in trouble with the law in one way or another, Burgess found himself charged with the theft of a saddle not long after the Gatton murders. That was Dolby. And then he was detained here in Toowoomba. Sick. Mint. So he was, uh, yeah, Burgess was detained whilst they tried to link him to the slayings. Whilst Hel- Hel- tried to link him to the slayings. slayings. <laughs> oh, that's, that's such a classic move there. Mm-hmm. So we're going to make sure that you're the one. That you're linked. You yeah. stole that saddle, you bitch. You killed You're it. in trouble, mate. You're in trouble. We're coming for your head. Yeah, wait. And to be in Dolby, that's a fair way too. like... Is it? I don't know. Honestly, couldn't tell you the like time space difference. See, it's an hour drive now. I'd say it'd probably take like a decent amount of time. Yeah, not a full day, but like. But like eight hours or so. Yeah, and I imagine the roads to be rough. That's yeah. another thing, also. Yeah. How did they get down the range and like up? No idea. Because Gatton's down the range. It must be Columbus, like you know. Up. They must have gone through like Murphy's Creek or something. Oh, you know what? Yeah. Because it's a little bit less intense. Murphy's Creek. (laughs) Um, Okay. Whilst held in custody, it became clear Burgess had been in the town of Gatton on December 10th. The question for police was whether or not he was still there at the time of the Gatton murders. Several witnesses made claims that seemed to point to Burgess as the killer. One farmer stated Burgess had told him Michael had been shot in the head before this detail was common knowledge. Another said Burgess had been told had told him about there being three dead bodies found in Gatton again before this had become common knowledge. Although I just want to say, the concept of common knowledge in this town seems to be a little bit yeah right. right. The first thing he did was tell a hotel for, full of people that that people that, that was that a different guy. 
Yeah, yeah, but the but, first thing that guy did was go and tell a hotel yeah. full of people. So, like, it might not have been common knowledge as in everyone knew it, yeah. but, like, a decent amount of people but, like, knew this, very quickly. I think this is just, like, this farmer being like, oh, yeah, I know who it is. Yeah. But, like, if he did say that, then that's a bit weird. That is good But also, since it was so long ago, it's just kind of, like, has that information just been, like, made up? Yeah, probably. Okay, despite hopes that they had found the killer, Richard Burgess was eventually able to provide police with an alibi. A reliable eyewitness could place Burgess over 20 miles away from Gatton on the night of the killings. Which also, I don't know how alibis worked back then. But yeah. also, the police are very corrupt in this. That's the thing. So. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. We love us some corrupt police. Corrupt boys. Some corrupt boys. <laughs> some bad boys. Okay. Um, Thomas Day. Evidence that was given in front of the Royal Commission inquest pointed the finger at a man named Thomas Day. The 22-year-old was a stranger to Catton who had only recently moved to the area, also known as Theo Farmer. So he had, like, a secret name. I don't know why. Theo Farmer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my alter ego's name is Theo, Theo Farmer. Farmer. <laughs> I'm coming to kick you bad kick guys you and fuck the ladies. <laughs> Theo Farmer. Theo Farmer. <laughs> 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 um, Thomas Day was an int- itinerant labourer who, at the time of the Gatton murders, worked at for the local butcher, AJ, AG Clark. Police had spoken to Day, as in to the man, <laughs> Day. Oh, to the man, whose <laughs> yeah. last name is Day, yeah. As they had almost everyone in town. He was found to have a jumper that was covered in blood, which Day said was animal blood. In 1898, there's no way, we already know yeah. that. Um, but yeah, he uh, washed his jumper clean anyway. Um, the hut in which Thomas Day lived was located just 300 yards from where the bodies Michael, Nora and Ellen were found. More than one person said that they had seen Day prior to the murders walking late at night near where the killings took place. Thomas Day wasn't considered a suspect by police at the time, and just two weeks after the Gatton murders occurred, Thomas Day left Gatton never to return. So of course they didn't suspect him! So I kind of feel like Thomas Day may have killed those people. Yeah. <laughs> I got this inkling. Yeah. And now, suicide and the note. What?! <laughs> Just Who <wait>. killed themselves? <laughs> no. In 1900, Thomas Day, under the alias of Theo Farmer, died at Sydney Hospital. He died as a result of self-inflicted gunshot wound. <gasps> he left behind a note referring to the Gatton murders. <laughs> I know. I am so insane. Okay. I'm like, I got really excited. I had like goosebumps all over my body and now I'm crying. <laughs> so... Okay, so this is, the, this is the note. Okay. Just a few words wishing to inform the public about the Gatton murder, which I suppose or hope will be found out when I am no more. I am going to my long rest, but still before I leave the world, I wish to state what I know for a certain fact, dot, 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 dot. So the letter then uh, apparently went on to give a statement relating to several individuals around the murders. Unfortunately, this wasn't published, so it is unknown who Thomas Day possibly pointed the finger at, but he did finish the letter with this note. I know the public may wonder, but I do not wonder, as I am quite sure the case was to be kept quiet among the police, which I think is about time they were shown up, so hoping the Gatton affair will go ahead. So so he was saying, he pointed fingers at people in his suicide note, which is weird. That is strange. And that's a decent, like, amount later. Yeah. So why did he kill himself? Mm, That's like, wait, that's like, wait, how many years after was that? Like, two years after? Oh, Oh, that's a really short amount of time. Yeah. How did he get to Sydney that quickly? I mean, <laughs> it doesn't take two years to he travel ran. to Sydney. He just ran. But yeah, um, so he was also huh. saying that it was 
kept among the police. Okay, um. theory number two by Stephanie Bennett, made in 2013. Ooh. This theory is very weird, and um, the, you'll... <laughs> is there aliens involved in no, this no, theory? No, no, no. <laughs> oh, I wanted there to be aliens so bad. No, I think just what she did was a bit wrong. Oh, God. Okay. Ms. Bennett says the investigation was botched by the policeman who headed it up, Inspector Charles Urquhart, allowing the murderers, murderers to evade justice. This is a quote. Mr. Urquhart was an arrogant man. He had no skills so far as detective work was concerned. He'd never been a detective, she told an Australian story. Wow. He, he was convinced it was an itinerant swagman from the highway who'd just committed a spur-of-the-moment crime. Ms. Bennett thinks the murder was orchestrated by a man named Joe Quinn, a swagman with a long history of run-ins with the law and a slew of criminal aliases. She says Quinn, who regularly passed through Gatton, was motivated by revenge after Michael Murphy unmasked his criminal history during an altercation in Longreach Barbershop during the Shearer's strike. Up until that point, Quinn, under an alias, had been an influential member of the strike movement. Ms. Bennett believes that four years later on a visit to Gatton, Quinn took the opportunity to enact his revenge with the aid of a gang of local larrikins. Four years later, she claims Joe Quinn, with the help of a local gang, took the ultimate revenge. Interestingly, she names one of the gang members as Thomas Day. Although an interesting theory, it was hard to find much in the way of facts to back up many of the claims made. She has shared her theory with the descendants of the Murphy family in hope... Yeah, in hope it will help them put the issue behind. That's what I'm like, you're an idiot! That's so dumb! You're an idiot! (laughs) They probably had... No idea about all of this happening. Yeah, and she's just like, hey, I think it's this guy. And this is like, you've brought up so much. So like, much shit. Like, for no reason. Oh for a kind of silly... For like, you have no evidence. You have nothing. Oh, my God. But also, like, it's cool that there's a theory. Yeah, but, like, still. Jeez. Yeah, I don't like that she... That's dumb. Told them. Excuse me, man, that was silly. Okay, theory number three by Lyle yes. Reed, made in 2015. <laughs> I researched it thoroughly and there was no other man who had who could have done it. Thomas Day was seen at the slip rails near the murder scene. He lived less than 500 metres from the murder scene. He had just arrived in Gatton. He was questioned by police and let go. They had their man, but it was a complete balls up. In Mr. Reed's book, he wrote a fucking book about it. <laughs> oh my god. Boy, that is a man who has too much time too on his much. hands. Too much time on his In his book, he notes how, and quote, an in memoriam notice for Edith May Cook was found 300 yards from the slip rails between the murder site and the entrance to Moron's Paddock. Yeah. Uh, the Ipswich historian explains in his book the significance of this and how it points to the motive behind the murders, which Reed said were revenge-based. Day was in love with Edith May Cook, and he came back to Gatton in 1898 to take revenge on the Murphy girls because one of them told her mother that she was pregnant to this Thomas Day. At the was se- she? Mm, I don't think so. But at the scene of the crime, they found the memorial notice of Edith, who had died of septicemia. Oh, no. That sucks. So either he was carrying that around and dropped it, or, like, I don't even know what that... Yeah, look, that's, like, that's pretty damning. Unless she was carrying it. Like, how long ago do you reckon... Do you know how long ago she died? No, because I don't don't even know who Edith makes it. No, no clue. Well, like, maybe one of the girls... If the girls were friends with her, maybe they were carrying it or something. You know? Maybe. That'd be a bit weird, though. I mean, like, like, like I said, it, means it depends on how long ago, you know? Like, if it was... Yeah. If it's, like, a couple of days ago... But also... Might have shoved it in their jacket and forgotten about it. I don't think it was a couple of days ago. 
Yeah. I'm like, oh, but it could have been. Like, I don't know. Wait, hang on. But then why would you go to a freaking dance? Be like, oh, no, my friend died. Yeah, but, like, <laughs> another thing. If it was Thomas Day, they just said he lived close to it, so it could have been his and just, you know, got caught in the wind or something. Yeah. So that's another thing. They're like, but also, he's very sus. Yeah, he's a sus kind of guy. He definitely, he's not, like, his entire existence is not doing well for him on this yeah. particular situation. Now, theory number four. Oh my god, they're still going. Yeah, and there's another one after. Oh, okay. fantastic. The Gatton Murders killer was known. <laughs> what? As it was, the Jack the Ripper case, which began my fascination with uncro- unsolved crimes, I thought I would end this post with this final story. So this is, like, someone's story. I don't know who's. Yeah. Um, in 1901, the Singleton Argus newspaper wrote that the man responsible for the Gatton Murders was known and locked away in an asylum. This will sound familiar to anyone with the knowledge of the Jack the Ripper case. Alleged solution of the mystery. Gatton mystery is, of course, no mystery to the Queensland authorities, says a contributor to an exchange. It will be remembered how the police suddenly stopped all investigation. No useful purpose could be served by proceeding with the matter. The why and wherefore not need to be published. A sequel of the horror is the insanity of a certain person who had been in asylum for some time. The fact was charitably kept from the knowledge of the general public. It is, however, reassuring to know that the perpetrator of the triple murder is a lunatic. This is probably the last thing that will be heard of a tragedy that shocked Australasia and received a worldwide notoriety. But also, that's just, I think that's just the police being like, Oh, it's fine. He's Wait, locked yeah, up. He's in an sh- asylum. It's just some crazy gone. person. Some crazy dude. I think it's just so they... Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Yeah. So that's just like a dump. That's where it's like the police are corrupt. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to be like, that's fine. So wait, so was that a police statement? Yeah, that they, that like, it was just some lunatic. <laughs> Alright. Yeah. Okay, so this is another theory. I will be repeating stuff, but it adds to the theory. So this is a theory on William McNeil, who was the guy that was sent to find them. The brother-in-law. Spending the whole of the Christmas holidays with them was William McNeil, butcher of Westbrook, near Toowoomba, uh, who was the husband of the eldest daughter of the family. Mrs McNeil, who had for many months been ill of partial paralysis, following on the birth of her youngest child. Oh my god. Yeah, I... Well, that's... Shit, but not surprising. Yeah. Fucking it's... childbirth, am I right? Yeah. Um, very weird. Mm. Um, had been staying with her parents for some time with her three children, and it was her husband's habit to pay fortnightly visits to them there, generally staying over the weekend. All the Murphys were very kind to Mrs. McNeil and her children and Nora, the eldest unmarried daughter, specially devoted to the baby, always sleeping with the child, so that she could give it necessary attention, such as a mother in her semi-paralyzed state would have been unable to accomplish. Yeah. So, hang on, this um, theory was in the in the, a news article that was released, like, so this is why it's, like, very interesting. Yeah. Because um, they added a lot of detail, and I was like, oh, okay. Um, McNeil had driven his wife to the Mount Sylvia races on Boxing Day. Michael and Ellen Murphy also had attended the equestrian contests at that Sylvian spot. But Nora, faithful to her trust, had stayed at home to mind the baby, which some articles left out. Um, It was Nora's non-participation in the festivities of Boxing Day, which was assigned as Michael Murphy's reason for desiring her company to the proposed dance at Gatton on Boxing Night. McNeil helped Michael to harness up the trio, and the trio drove away in McNeil's dog cart, 
which had one wobbly wheel and consequently made a crooked and easily recognisable track. The story as told by the Murphys and McNeil was that Murphys were, as usual, early astir for the morning milking, and that when six o'clock had arrived without the return of the pleasure seekers, Mrs Murphy became anxious and asked McNeil, who was the only one at the farm who had nothing special to do, to go in search of them. McNeil caught a horse and cantered away. As told in his evidence, he had got four miles on the road when he noticed the track of his wobbly-wheeled gig turning into the paddock. He was, so ran his evidence, unfamiliar with that paddock, the slip rails of which were up. He lowered them and followed the fence till he came to a barren ridge, his idea being to see if there was any dwelling in the paddock. Seeing none, he returned by another direction, this time going towards where he, was, he supposed that the track of the dog cart would be. He saw what he at first thought were three bundles of clothes, but going closer he saw that they were dead bodies of the three Murphys whom he had last seen when they were setting out to the dance. The news flew like wildfire um, within a few minutes after McNeil had told his tale as many of the 600 inhabitants of the town as could possibly do so had rushed to the scene. The sergeant who was at the time without an assistant constable ordered the crowd not to approach the bodies but neglected to order them out of the paddock. He left several men in charge of the bodies and directed them to keep the crowd back, but he had no sooner departed than his orders were disregarded and close and the closely surrounding area was so trampled upon that all hope of definite tracking in the vicinity was lost. The bodies were removed to the Brian Boru Hotel and where and when Dr. Von Losberg, government medical officer, arrived from Ipswich, he made his autopsy and granted the death certificates required by the law and the undertakers. So here's where the theory kind of steps in. Yeah. Daniel Murphy, the elder, recalled, said that there was an old stallion in the stable on the night of the murder. A pony also was kept in the house paddock for, for running up the cows in the morning. The pony was hard to catch. He did not think that McNeil could have left the house in the night without him having, without him having heard him. The court adjourned to Toowoomba on March 21st. McNeil had removed his wife to Toowoomba some weeks previously. She was carried into court by her husband, who was refused permission to remain by, beside her. She said that her husband had slept with his clothes on on the night of the murders, but even under pressure, she declared her inability to say whether or not he had left the house during the night. McNeil recalled said he had slept in his clothes on the night in question. He did so because he thought the child would, would be restless. He was now wearing the clothes he had worn then. There had been so much talk with a view to connecting him with the murders that he wanted everyone to have a good look at them. After a talk with the young Dan Murphy, who was the only collected member of the Murphy family, in the interval succeeding the murders, he had paid the funeral expenses, but the money since had been refunded. Mrs Murphy also was recalled and sworn. Ah, uh, so this is, um, like, dialogue. Inspector Urquhart. Did you kiss the book? Mrs Murphy. Yes. What else would I do? Urquhart. Did you? Witness. Yes. This is very confusing. Um, on Boxing Night, the door of the room occupied by McNeil and his wife was half open. Both the doors and the windows of the house were kept open in summer, but that night they were closed. Her husband had got up and shut them. Urquhart, why did you not tell me that when you were in the box before? You did not say that he had risen at all that night. The magistrate to Mrs. Murphy. You do not try to assist the inspector in any way. Mrs. Murphy. He tries to crush me as if I was not crushed enough already. Urquhart. Mrs. Murphy came in an unwilling humour this morning. At this, the poor lady was seized and with a violent fit of trembling. She became deathly pale and could not sign the depositions. She was told to sit down and rest for a while, but even after resting was in, unable to make her signature. 
After considerable delay, she managed to make a cross and, still trembling, was almost insensible, was lifted out of court. Oh, that's all I have. But I think what that theory kind of is, is that they reckon it was McNeil yeah. because he did things that he never usually did that night. I nice. thought him closing the windows of the house is probably to block out screams or anything. Like, maybe he, oh. like, like he could have done the murder as well. But why would he have? Like, why? No idea. But that was just, that. see, all of that was in this article that was released. And I was like, why would you include that in this article? Yeah. And it was, like, very weird. Yeah. It's odd. It's, like, the thing is, though, like, it's hard with, especially with the older, like, um, cases and stuff. How can you know, because, like, because you don't know people's relationships? Like, that's why it's yeah. so important to have, like, police officers in the town that know everyone. Yeah. Because they're, like... Because they know, like, how people act with other people, like, Definitely. what the actual relationships are, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Weird. So that was just a weird one I thought I'd add in, because yeah. it was, like... Because I think it... I don't know if I skipped a line or if I said it, but, like, yeah. he would not normally wear, like, pyjamas, or at least a pyjama top, I don't know. Mm. But then that night he did. Right. But it was, like... Why would you? But it was, like, why is that necessary to say... I don't know, it's just very weird. That's really strange. And to close all the doors in the summer. Oh, like, that's I mean, really weird. I mean, it might make sense, like, maybe that night was a bit or windy, or that night, I don't know, Lots they didn't want to... But, like, yes. you know, it's also that thing, like, I thought... And that the mention of the horse, like, maybe he shut the house up so that when he rode off in the they horse in the night, they it. wouldn't hear. Well, like, did, so did they say the horse is, like, hard to get a hold of, or something? The, the pony, or something? It was, like... It says there was an old stallion in the stable of the night of the murder. A pony was also kept in the house paddock for running up the cows in the morning. The pony was hard to catch. He did not think that McNeil could have left the house in the night without him having heard him. Right. So, like... So, they questioned McNeil, I think. And yeah. he said, there's no way I would have heard him left. But yeah. the house was also shut up. Yeah. It's a bit dodge, but it's also... Again, There's no... Know? Yeah. How do you know? Wow. But yeah. Nice. What do you, who do you think did it? Uh, I reckon t- Thomas Day, probably. Yeah. He's just a bit iffy, especially if he left. Like, he got That's away with thing. it. I'm like, I lean towards him, but just the amount of injuries makes me think it's more than one person. See, that's the thing I was thinking about. It. I was like, how can you attack three people, mm-hmm. rape them while they're still alive, mm-hmm. and then, like, brutally kill them? Mm. All three... Well, that's where this lady comes in with the the idea of it being a gang of people. Yeah. Which so it could be. Tom, and, like, seen... she said it was... She, like, was accusing one man, but said yeah. that he was in a gang, including Thomas Day. So he could have had... That's the thing. And, like, because Thomas Day, like, named a bunch of people? Yeah. It's kind maybe of like, they were in the gang. That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, maybe there, there was a gang of them that did it, and Thomas Day just happened to be the one... That like yeah. I don't know, got picked. For him to it. for him to obviously be thinking about it till death. Yeah. To kill himself yeah. and write about it. It's yeah. like You have to have some there has to be some yeah. connection to it. Because like m- like murders happen all the time. It's not like if I think about one, I'm gonna be like writing that till my death. Yeah. Unless you're a part of it. Like, you know That's the thing. Or like it's very traumatic to you. Yeah. Wild. Yeah, it's very weird. Yeah, yeah, I, th- that's what my money's on. I'm, I'm on a bit of a mixture of yeah, theories. Yeah, and for the police to just kind of, like, 
pass it up. Maybe Thomas yeah. like knew a cop, and it was like maybe one of the cops was in yeah. this, like gang. For them to not control it and then be like, oh, watch the crowd. I'm going, and then they'd be like, whatever. It's a thing of like maybe there wasn't a cop in the gang. Maybe the cops were just freaking useless. Fucking idiots. Freaking idiots, bro. But yeah. Which wouldn't surprise me, but like, yeah, it's really interesting. But yeah, who the cool. fuck would do that? If it were, even if it was like a spur of the moment thing, what the fuck? Disgusting. Mm, it's yeah. Yuck! Oh, I hate people. I think the moral of this episode is people just suck because mm-hmm. of rules. How do you I, how do you go clean your room? Pretty good. Yeah. I just have like a couple of things in the corner, so like that stuff I have to take outside. This is stuff I also have to take outside, and then. It's just all things I have to take outside. <laughs> downstairs and stuff. And then this is just like, I just have to take these downstairs. Smacking. Anyway. Um, yeah, cool. Thanks for telling me. I, yeah, it's weird because it's so, like, you know, guns. Like, yeah, really close. I, okay, well, thank you for listening. Hope listening you liked it. Well. If you have any questions, go to the Facebook. Yeah, go to our Facebook page. Let us and know. be like, Jordan, you got that fact wrong, you yeah. bloody idiot. Like, <laughs> Jesus. If you have anything, if you know about this, if you want to know more about this, Jordan might be able to, like, no, throw some that's shit all in I the had. Comments. That's it. That's all. <laughs> um, yeah, thanks for listening. Um, Tune in next time, which will be in two weeks' time. I hope that was a good, um... True crime. Yeah. Okay, thank you for listening. (laughs) Goodbye. Bye.